Hello, welcome to Culture Fear. 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 Culture That song does my head in, but let's put that to one side, shall we? And we bet, and we bet, and we... Hey, Culture Fear is back. Hello, I'm Sean. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I guess there's been a bit of a break in between the last proper podcast episode I did and this one. Uh, I guess it wasn't supposed to be as long as it was, but, you know, life gets in the way, which is fine. Um, I've got a few of these in the can now, so I guess this is series two. Um, yeah, so the first one is uh, I recorded in December with um, my pal Erica Fries. So she lives in Bristol now, um, and the band I play in Constellation was playing in Bristol. So I thought, do you know what? I'm going to try and put these two together. Um, great weekend in Bristol. Um, shout out um, my friend Kay, who put me and my friends up that weekend. Rory too. Um, massively appreciate that. Um and yeah, so I thought like Erica would be like an amazing person to have a conversation with. Um, I guess if I'm looking at like Erica as like taking it down to just like Reviver and like the, the solo records that she's done that I know. Um, I love her like musical output. I'd say the Beauty in Between by Reviver is probably I would well not probably I'd say it's like a seminal record of the subculture over the last 10 years. Um, But also, which we get into in the conversation, just um, seeing how Reviver, like, how they took themselves and how they, like, what they wanted to be and how they went about it and what they wanted to represent and for themselves and, like, how they wanted to change the like what they were a part of for the better and I think that um, in the same way that they used had a lot of like inspiration I know that they have inspired like so much great change that we now see and like obviously there's so much more to do but it's amazing to see looking back and being like wow that is how it was and like even like for myself I'm like yeah I guess that's a thought process that I was kind of like a part of as well at times and like learn to not um so it's amazing to talk about that and like to hear erica's like how it was for erica on like the inside of that and to hear about like her growing up and everything so this is probably the podcast the conversation that was like the most amazing to be part of when i was like sat there just like loved every minute the stories are amazing there was I was like getting emotional just hearing like some of it and then which I'm sure that you can hear at some points um, it'd be interesting to see how much I love it loved doing it how that translates so let me know if you enjoy it let me know like what your thoughts are um, yeah and like thanks to everyone that listened to last month's like end of year roundup that I did with Liam I thought it was a bit self-indulgent doing it and putting it out but I thought, fuck it, why not? Um, it's a good way to like 
kind of like announced that there's going to be that culture fear is not stopped um and yeah thanks to the people that reached out and said that they enjoyed listening to it because like i said i didn't really expect anyone to listen to it um it was just nice to talk about records that i liked and hear records that liam liked um so it's amazing that people got stuff out of it and thanks for reaching out about it that like it's 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 nice to hear i guess Uh, um so yeah i guess just a little bit of tidying up now is that um if you enjoy this podcast tell a friend why not it's you know i love it when friends tell me what podcasts they're listening to what they enjoyed what they think i'll enjoy so yeah if you think that a friend will enjoy this let them listen uh give them give them a shout about it and yeah erica is playing um she's playing some solo shows this month uh yeovil and bristol check that out and then in april we talk about the somnia her band um that is touring the uk um that all the shows are like up online now there's like you know the whole of the of Brit, uh, the whole of england is pretty much like well yeah there's a lot of england covered uh, there's a show in Glasgow and it's finishing at Manchester Punk Festival where Erica's also playing solo. Um, yeah, if you're into Somnia, check out Manchester Punk Festival. Like, if you're into what Erica's doing, check it out. There's bound to be some crossover and you might um, want to go up for that weekend, which is like a great weekend. But yeah, thank you for listening. Um, hope you enjoy it and I'll catch you soon. Cheers. Bye. Hey, Erica, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm really good. Sweet. Cool. So, um, yeah, what have you been up to? Okay. I've been um, living in Bristol since uh, May of this year, 2019, and I've been working at Special Sub. I don't know. This weekend I've been up to, I worked. You played a show last night that I didn't go to. Oh, oh, on Friday I went, but I don't know. What do you want to know? You went to the disco Friday, right? I did, yeah. We were there together. Yeah, that was fun. So Bristol, like why Bristol? Kind of like getting a laugh out or something I'm like on the verge of cracking up and we haven't even started <laughs> okay you say why why Bristol yeah uh well my partner Jack who also works here at the exchange he was living in the states for like four years and then he got to a point where he was like the truth is I think I don't want to live here which is fair the states is wild and uh I was like at a point in my life where I was like I think that it would be good for me to go try something different too. Yeah. And then Bristol is like the place where all of his community from growing up is. And I feel really lucky that this is where we ended up. It really, depending on, you know, where he had grown up, it could have been anywhere, but it was here. Yeah. And I'm stoked about that. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It sounds like you've kind of fallen on your feet. Really. Like Obviously you knew had the, network of people that you knew already before as well yeah but like i feel like the most valuable part of landing on my feet has been meeting Kay and andrew from specialist sub yeah and i didn't know them before i played a show with bangers in wales like a really long time ago yeah um but uh they let us sublet their house last spring spring 2018 two springs ago and um, yeah, I just feel like they're like angels that, <laughs> that I got to land. I, I'm like, they're angels that landed in my life, but really I'm, I landed in theirs and I'm so grateful. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Um, and what are you doing with a special subject then? Um, 
My like official role is PR. Okay. Um, which I, you know, have done not really. Like I've done it as a person playing in bands. Yeah. For a long time where you just like kind of advocate for yourself, I guess. But it's (laughs) so fun to advocate for other bands. I love it. When I ran Rumble Town Records for all those years, I never tried to find press for the bands. That wasn't like a thing that I considered. It wasn't actively not like we're going to do PR. It's just like, well, you just didn't really. I didn't even think about it. I was like, what I'm going to do is. Uh, like help you co- like collect your material to put a record out and then I'm going to put it on my website and send it to people that send me money for it yeah. and I'll send a copy to MRR. Yeah. That's yeah, what yeah, I yeah. did. <laughs> <laughs> but like with the, with special sub, it's so fun. Like we get a new, a band in and then we have a meeting with them and talk about what like their ideal situation with their project would be, you know, like yeah. they're like, I want to play with bands like this, or I want to play with bands from this other label. You know, like I want—I would love to get radio play, or I would love to be in these music journaly type things yeah. that I care about. And then you just like help make that real. It's so fun. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah, like batting ideas off of each other. Yeah, trying to keep your feet on the ground, but also sometimes the opposite reach yeah. a bit further sure yeah <laughs> which i'm so new at it it's not like you get i'm i feel like i'm just definitely learning and like i'm i don't i don't know that i'm very good at it but it's fun to like dream with the bands also when i was uh like i guess like there was a point in my life where i would have thought that i would have been like Ugh, pr like okay that's totally selling out yeah that's not diy but it's like I don't think that that is true. I think that there's like so many independent people writing about music. Yeah, that, that it's like working for an independent label, working with a bunch of bands that are really doing it for themselves. It's just like it doesn't feel like fake or like uh like manufactured. It feels yeah. like we got some dreams we're trying to make real. These bands are making good music. Let's like get them noticed you yeah know, yeah by people who are going to appreciate that so did that is that is doing the pr changed that idea of your thoughts on P- pr or had that changed over time anyway um no i think doing it like being in the position of actually like communicating with like people who are doing the writing and stuff yeah has been changing it I didn't really know what to expect when I started. Yeah. But I think also that in the last couple years of playing in, yeah, or I don't know, over the last like 10 years of just like playing in music and like seeing like, like I don't always think that it is the bands that are making the most fantastic music that are the ones that get attention. And if you go into mainstream music, that's just not true at all. Yeah. It's just like, who's got the money, who's got the connections, you know? And I think that like taking like, like way underneath that underground in underground music, like helping to like get bands that are making good music into the ears of, 
people who would care about it. That's all that it actually, that's all that PR actually is. Yeah. Even though it seems like when you, like, I guess that I was thinking of it as like, you're schmoozing, you're lying, you're being like, you got it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I guess it's like, um, thinking like what you're comfortable with as well. Like I'm, like, I don't, I don't know. Like, yeah. Like, you said, like, sitting down, what do you want? Like, oh, I'd really like, you know, I see these people in this part of the world that are doing something that I think is really cool from afar. I'd love to, like, have that group of people, like, hear my music. And and then someone like, oh, I'd really love, like, Noisy to put one of our songs. It's, like, totally, like, different thing. Yeah. Um, And I'm sure, like, there's, you can have, like, two bands that, like, it means, yeah. Like, um, just different thought process totally. and stuff. Totally. Like, yeah. Like, I think that any band that we work with is going to be within a, like, it's going to be within, like, a, a limited spectrum of what they're going to be looking for because they're going to be DIY punk bands that would be attracted to being on specialist subjects. So it's not like there's going to be, like, a wide, wide, wide swath of what people are looking yeah. for. But it's true, like, some people are going to be, like, I really want to be, I would love to be um, associated with this kind of band. And then some other people that are like, I'm looking to be associated with this kind of scene. That's That would make me really happy and feel like yeah, validated yeah. in the music that I'm making. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, it's so interesting with like, yeah, like especially subject. Yeah. Got to be punk bands, like, but like DIY is so broad. It's so broad, yeah. Like... Yeah, I see things and I'm like, you know, obviously I think as you get older, you're like, um, my conclusion was like, I still know what DIY is to me and it still yeah. means more to me than it ever has. Yeah. But just because what they're doing, I don't think is DIY. If they think it is, I guess it's their DIY. Yeah. Don't you feel like over the course of like a lifetime in punk, your lifetime in punk or my lifetime in punk, like what does punk even mean? Like I remember... When I was like in my early twenties, if I saw somebody across the street that looked punk, yeah, I would like run across the street and be like, "Yo, <laughs> we're the same. What are you doing in town?" Yeah, and then I would not do that now. I wouldn't assume we would have anything in common. Yeah. I wouldn't assume that my enthusiasm would be welcome. I wouldn't assume. I just wouldn't assume. Yeah, I mean, I guess alternative culture is now mainstream culture. Yeah, like how people look. Especially in like a city, like I remember, like I used to go to Brighton. But like, how was like there like funny fifty people at this show? But everyone looks like they're probably going to this show. When I'm walking around town before, yeah. I guess Bristol's a little bit like that. Although everyone probably just looks like they're going climbing instead. But <laughs> and they are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's super interesting. Yeah, with that, like, yeah, what is punk and and what is DIY? Like, it's just this. I don't think it's a bad thing though. Like the like evolution through time of what these terms mean. Yeah, and I think it comes in waves as well. Like like yeah. I think that it definitely comes comes around and like certain things will co-opt that. So yeah. then it's broader and then it's like used by more people as like a I don't know, to be cynical like a hashtag or something. Yeah. But then like those people will get bored and like have a different hashtag five years later and it and then but the people that care about it in a different way are still going to be around and those other people are still going to come through yeah. with that and p- 
people that would, you know, and then you get like the nerds that are like, oh, I got into DIY because this band in like this publication said that they were DIY and it really cared about them. Like 10 years later, I realized they probably weren't the DIY that I care about, but because I really liked them at the time, I like went on Google and found DIY bands yeah. and like just research, you know, just like looked at what DIY was and found like this band and this band and this band, you know, just a gateway. Yeah. 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 I, I'm thinking in like 40 different yeah, like, yeah, yeah. of where to go with that. Like thinking about in the early days of my band Reviver, we, we would like, we didn't even have like, I think that maybe Maddie and Kevin had like, like, candy bar cell phones okay. you know we were like it, i remember when we first started having like like a smartphones in the group like on tour there was lots of years where that wasn't a thing that was yeah. part of touring and how so we were just like like uh not tech not not connected definitely not connected on like facebook instagram twitter yeah. those things but then people from all over the world like that's how we got to tour it for instance, in Brazil, as these like punks in Brazil heard about us, who knows how, maybe a YouTube video, maybe MRR, you know, and then reached out through email. Yeah. You know, like these like kind of like hugely significant, almost like, I don't know what to call it. These like connections that like you reading about DIY in a magazine or whatever in a, in a yeah, zine, yeah, yeah. and then figuring out what it meant for you and evolving down that line. Like these kids in Brazil hearing about us through some way being bold enough to ask us and then us being kind of like bold enough to be like, sure, we'll take a punt on these strangers. Yeah. And then it was life changing. I'm still friends with a lot of those people, but you know, it's just these little like unconnected connections. Yeah. Yeah. So like, so like Reviver like started like that, did Revi did Reviver talk about what the band meant as it started, or did that was that like an organic like like we like we're going to be a DIY band? Well, or was I, that never needed a conversation? Or yeah, that definitely didn't need a conversation in two thousand seven when we were starting because we it was just like the lifestyle. Yeah, you know. Yeah, like yeah, we were definitely like living in punk houses with like eight people and eating garbage, like eating dumpster food all the time. You know, all yeah, the, all yeah. the like cliches were very real and every day we just were that we were a DIY. I remember like the van needed fixing. I figured out how to fix it. You know, just like, yeah, like unashamed scamming at any opportunity, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, um, so we, we didn't like talk about if we wanted to be a DIY band because it just was like literally the only considered option. Yeah. But we did talk about like we had, Maddie and I had been in a band before that one called Hooky, which I really feels really beloved in my memory. Yeah. But also was really frustrating at the time. We only played like five shows and it was like, you know, we were all all like really drunk and dramatic back then. <laughs> And the songs were all about like 
drinking and heartbreak and kind of destruction. And we were like, we want to do a band that is like more uplifting yeah. than that. Like, let's not just like sing our way into these like holes. Okay. Yeah. 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 So that was like when Hookie broke up, we were like, okay, we're going to do a different band. And that's, we're not going to sing about being drunk all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But I remember playing a show on like our, maybe it was our first U.S. tour. It was really early days. I think it was our first U.S. tour and it was a show called, it was a fest called Rad Fest. Okay. Maybe it was in like Virginia or Delaware. Yeah. I'm getting it wrong, but it was the East Coast in some like seaside town. And they, I remember getting there and hearing other people from the fest being like, holy shit, they're real punks. And I was like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, I definitely haven't showered in like two weeks and yeah. my hair's like really fucking greasy and cut weird. But I, I, but I guess I didn't know that there was kind of other, I wasn't looking at them and being like, we're different, but they were looking at me and being like, we're yeah. different. Yeah. There was always, um, I remember, um, like there was yeah that's funny because i always used to hear like um like when latterman toured the the uk yeah. and like yeah like the bass is like with the same t-shirt every night and like you could see like the sweat mark where it like the bass strap was yeah <laughs> and uh, yeah so funny that those like the conversation like obviously it wasn't the only conversation sure, like sure. i'm sure like <laughs> but yeah it, it's like yeah but like i guess yeah revive yeah like because it's the music, like obviously, like people from like a total loads of different scenes. The wrong word, but like, yeah, totally, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, the thing that I really appreciated about Reviver is the thing about uh, like kids liked us. Okay, yeah, you know, like, yeah, just like I mean, like children, like you would get like, like my stepdad is a really big Reviver fan, you know? And he's, like, not a punk. And then you'd get, like... Or a child. Or a child. And then you'd get, like, <laughs> children who... <laughs> I get why you made that face. But, like... Yeah, like... Uh, it, yeah, it just, like, w was it accessible music. Uh, I just... I'm sorry to interrupt, but I think that, yeah, these guys are here and they're trying to get in. Do you cool. mind if we yeah, stop yeah. for a second? Check, check. Cool. We're back in the room. Um, yeah. So yeah, I guess um, let's um, stop there for a bit and make our way back. Like, um, okay. so you, you moved over from Olympia. Yeah. Are you from Olympia? Yeah, I'm actually from Kamilchi, which is like just outside of Olympia. Okay. Cool. Yeah. And had you always lived in Olympia? Up yeah, I lived in New York for like a year when I was 23, 24. Yeah. But otherwise, yeah. yeah. Oh, and then I I lived in Seattle for another like year and a half. Okay. But that's only an hour from Olympia, so. Yeah. Yeah. What, what's Olympia like? Like, how was it growing up in Olympia? Or, um, or, well, not Olympia, the place. No, no, I did grow up okay. in Olympia. I was born in Camilchi. Olympia is like um, a... I'm like, where do I, it's a, it's a gorgeous little place on earth. Like it's like nestled in between the Olympic mountain range and the Cascade mountain range. So like wow. no matter what direction that you're looking, you're either looking up the Salish Sea or the Puget Sound, this waterway that comes down and cuts Olympia in half. Um, 
you're either looking up that waterway into the mountains on the peninsula or you're looking east and seeing Mount Rainier, which is like gigantic. Yeah. And there's so much forest and there's like huge bald eagles and sometimes there's bears and sometimes there's even like as there's more and more development and habitat is lost, there's even like cougars that like Oh my god, wow. It's like amazing. Yeah. Uh it's a pretty like depressed little town like when I was a kid. Like it just you know like uh I think in Maybe it was like 1989 when I was in elementary school. Yeah. We had the centennial, the 100-year anniversary of Washington being made into a state. So we're talking about like recently colonized. Yeah. Like recently recently kind of like inhabited in the way that Americans, people that are living yeah. there are inhabiting that European... it now. Yeah. Yeah. Like... And you can feel that, like, when I was a kid, um, up until, okay, when I was a kid, I was born out in the woods, you drive, you drove, like, 25 minutes into town, and you were driving among, like, walls of evergreen trees yeah. all the way into town. When I graduated high school in 2000, um, there was, like, a, a lawsuit had just been won by forest conservationists to not have this one corridor developed and okay. i was like we're winning and then so that's just since 2000 since 2000 that lawsuit was appealed and that whole corridor is development now so you oh, when you drive in from Camilchi into olympia you're driving by like it's not quite strip malls it's like but it, it's like unbridled development with like huge like sumps for the water that's being displaced. To okay. Go. Yeah. So, I, in my short lifetime, you I've seen this kind of like suburbanization. Yeah. Of just what was like untamable wildness, just being like very tamed, you know. God. So, and I feel like that is uh, a a. Uh, like that that's part and parcel with how recent that kind of like living yeah has been yeah. happening in that part of the world you know but so that's all like about like the nature and stuff culturally it was like we moved in to olympia from the woods when i was 7 or 8 got a little rental a shitty little moldy rental on the edge of a ravine that i lived that i like played in so much as a yeah, kid. Yeah, yeah. Like, my mom um, worked a, a lot, and then my sister and I, we lived, like, two blocks from the school, so there was a lot of time of just, like, walking home yeah. by ourselves, you know? Playing in the ravine, kind of owning the neighborhood with all the other neighborhood kids. Mm. Um, that would have been the early 90s. So the same time in Olympia that, like, Kurt Cobain was living there and Nirvana was blowing up. Bikini yeah, Kill yeah. was probably playing, like, next door. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was, like, 11 and not knowing that was going on. Just a little bit too young. <laughs> you know, if, if I hadn't been the oldest kid, I probably could have been partaking in all that culture. But instead, I went, you know, through the public school system. I had my friends. Um, we were called the Alternatines. 
And okay. it was this like gang of girls who I fucking loved and I still love them. We we've like scattered. They all still live in Olympia, but they're like or not all of them, but you know, they they've got like multiple children and are like doing their Yeah. Their like life in Olympia. Um but when we were teenagers it was like you know, we were bad. <laughs> we looked cool. We like um got made fun of by the kind of like older punk people for they coined us the alternatines, you okay, know. Yeah. And those were the people that were actively parta- partaking in the like riot girl scene and yeah. stuff like that. We were just a little bit under the lip, you know? Yeah. But I remember like um like uh one of my best friends, Katie, she would draw we were like gonna start a cigarette company and it was gonna be called Riot Girly Smokes. And she like <laughs> you know, we were like hearing Riot Girl around us, yeah. you know, we'd be like hanging out in the park like doing acid and hearing about Riot Girl happening, but we didn't really know what it was. And then I remember in my like late teens noticing like like when the first Lady Fest happened and then suddenly the downtown was like flooded with like all these really cool older women who were probably in their early 20s, you know? Yeah, but it seemed like a different world of age. Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> why are they all coming here? You know, like, who are they? At You know, like, I saw like the need in and like watched this um, this musical called The Transfused. These are all like iconic moments in Olympia history, but I was just like this scrappy alternatine who didn't understand what right girl or punk or any of that stuff was. I didn't yeah. understand that I could be connected with it. I okay. just was there having my like small town existence, not knowing that these like big cultural things were going on around me. Yeah. Homo a go go. There just would be like these times when like these floods of like cool, like faggy art people would come into town and I'd be like, what? And then they would disappear and I wouldn't really understand <laughs> Yeah. the like ebb and flow of it. That's amazing. Yeah. To Yeah. And like, so what was, so what was like, were you just like the alternatives? Were you just like counterculture, but yeah. like not around a subculture? It was just counterculture. Or yeah. Like, yeah. Like exactly. Like I was real, I like, was really into like the alternative music that I was hearing on the radio. Yeah. Like like Weezer and No Doubt and uh then when I got like a little bit more I guess like goth like Marilyn Manson and like yeah. some kinds of new metal. I really liked Tool, but I didn't I didn't understand or it, it's not like I, I just you know that that like door that opens where you're like, "Oh, Musicians are us and we can, yeah. like, we are, we are music. They're not different people. There's not like an, esh- they're not like an echelon of like yeah. alien celebrities. Musicians are just us with like a microphone and a costume sometimes. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't see that door. I was like squarely in, I am a ra- someone who listens to the radio and puts Rolling Stone posters on my wall and they are over there making music yeah and we won't be meeting each other so when did you start first like go into one of those rooms be like oh this is where they all are when they're not when we don't see them um 
I, let's see, in my, in my late teens, I kind of like fell out with the alternatines. Okay. There was like a, there was some like, there's like some pain and grief in that area. I was in like an abusive relationship. Um, and you know, I feel like you just are like so messy as a teenager or you can be. I know yeah. lots of teenagers that aren't as messy as I was now, but back then I was messy and I, I like, I, I think that I treated them badly and then also I was treated badly by this person and felt like they didn't have my back. And so I kind of drifted away from them and drifted into this kind of like, kind of like hippie forest crusty scene. Okay. And I was, uh, gonna live on this, <sighs> almost like collective commune with yeah. the guys who ended up starting Wolves in the Throne Room. Oh, okay. We were going to live on this little commune called Calliope, and, you know, I was, like, getting into, like, lots of, I don't know, like, I guess kind of like what might be described in hindsight as, like, crime thinky. Crime think, you know crime No, think? no, no. Oh, maybe that's more of an American phenomenon. Crime think is, like, a... Uh, kind of like a leftist, um, anarchist. Oh, I don't know how to describe it. Like I, I want to say, like they do, they write like literature and create like posters and stuff. Okay. And yeah. were very influential in the early two thousands in terms of like being like DIY guides of uh, not like how to build a bomb, but like this is yeah. how you dumpster and this is like make a dumpster map and this is how you scam and this is yeah you yeah. know like so, you know stuff like that so um i sp- had this this one chap this chapter of being like a kind of like crusty hippie i was like riding trains and hitchhiking all over the western united states and yeah. eating dumpster food and making like herbal medicines and stuff like that and then that transitioned kind of quickly into meeting the quote punks yeah. And that was when I was like, oh, I see punk. I've heard the word punk. I had the <laughs> punkorama volumes as a teenager, but these were the punks. And that's when I like started. When I was being a hippie crusty, I would do this dumpster run once a week where we'd go to Seattle and fill up the entire back of a pickup truck with like boxes of dumpster food and then kind of do like a, like a, dumpster box delivery on a yeah. bunch of people's doorsteps whether it was wanted or not but we were like we're really feeding everybody but people <laughs> were like you're dropping rotten bananas at my house every week would you stop but one of the houses was the punk house the diner house and through doing that i started getting to know them and then i kind of got folded into them i joined a band called threnos which was this black metal band uh, i they knew that I played acoustic guitar and okay. yeah. and they were like, you should play bass. And I was like, I don't know. I don't even know how to stand up and hold my <laughs> instrument, you know? Yeah. And they were like, we think you'd be good at it. And I, so I started playing bass and it was all like, you know, like yeah. constant yeah. double picking. Yeah. And it, I still think the music is really beautiful. I had no part in writing it. And um, that's when I did kind of like my first tour yeah, my first tour down the West Coast. This it was like, uh, like a book. Your like if a show fell through, we'd go to like a 
cafe with yeah. a desktop and look up on book your own fucking life and end up playing in somebody's like basement in a field in their farmhouse or something in like <laughs> southern Oregon. It was like it was like uh yeah, just like anarchist DIY black metal underground. We were like we don't have merch, we have stuff we sell and it's all by donation, you know, like real Yeah. Do you get a like sense of the kind of vibe of the time yeah yeah for sure that's when i started walking through the door of being like oh i'm playing music and people want to hear it yeah we would like like the other three people were all cis men and mm. uh i wasn't thinking about identity politics at all how i think about them now back then but i remember after one show this woman that i know being like just you playing makes me feel like, I want to be at this show. And I was like, you even noticed that I'm here? I'm so... I didn't write the songs. I'm barely keeping up with this double picking. <laughs> I, 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 I felt invisible, so I didn't know anybody was seeing me, you know? Okay, yeah, yeah. And yeah. she was like, you make me feel like this is a space that's for me, too. And I was like, this is revolutionary to my little 20-year-old mind or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it still is now. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. yeah, it informed a lot of the next... Yeah, that's the end of that chapter and then yeah. next episode. Yeah. Oh, God, that's amazing. Yeah. And then do you think that that conversation really did, like, start a thought process in your head? Or Yeah. I think that it took, like, a decade to totally make sense. Not yeah. a decade. Seven but, years or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want me to just keep going with this story? I could tell you the next chapter. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Okay, so at the same time as Theranos, the black metal band, I was going, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, and I was going to community college while being a hippie, crusty punk, and kind of like transitioning over into the crusty punks without the hippie part. Okay, yeah. And um, I had a teacher um, named David Hyde who was he was he's 10 years older than me so I was 20 so he was only 30 yeah and one day he was like talking to me and I smelled he smelled like armpits and whiskey and I was like is this guy a teacher or a friend I think he might be a punk and then he also saw in me friendship I guess he I have this um stupid skill where I can talk backwards and he and when I was 20 this was like a big party trick you know like oh did you know Yannick Kostrakab you know like so can you just do that like on the spot yeah anything yeah. anything and um he was like you're a weird genius <laughs> you're and, a freak I like it <laughs> and I also at this time was um I had started mediating at, I had started training as a mediator when I was 16 and by the time I was 20 I was a senior mediator in quotes and I was teaching trainings and stuff and he knew that, so he asked me, he was like, you're a super freak, and I need another person in order to get an, um, like a kind of like college grant to do this training out in the woods. Would you come be a facilitator? You'd be the extra body, and uh, I could get the money. We could do the thing. And yeah, so I was yeah. like, sure, I'll go do that. And then we became friends on that trip, and he invited me to be in his marching band, which was called the Infernal Noise Brigade. Okay. And it was an anarchist marching band that was formed in the 90s. This was 2002, so it was just formed a couple years earlier. 
um, uh, and they had kind of like, I think they'd been formed for the WTO protests in 1999 in Seattle, which were like a really important political moment that really changed a lot of stuff. Okay. Um, the battle of Seattle. And so then 2002, I joined the band. He was so generous. I was such a little puppy. Like I needed a bass drum. He like got me a bass drum. He drove me every day in his like weird burning man van that had like a, a like, um, submarine, a seeing oh, wow. tube out the top, you know, he's a real like, like punk rock, burning man, anarchist, sociology teacher at the community college. And every week he would drive me to our band practice in Seattle with the marching band. And through them, I came over. That was how I did my first tour in Europe. We came over and played the G8 conference in Edinburgh in 2000 and. What was you playing in the band? I ended up doing bass drum. Okay. Tom. Reconnaissance, which was like not wearing the uniform and just hanging out in the protest to make sure that like like people are getting arrested up ahead. Try to keep like people from the protest from running down the middle of the flanks because we were like a marching band in yeah. step and in uniform. And if like the trombone got the yeah. trombone kicked into their face by somebody who was like enthusiastically running through it would put our people in danger. So just try, kind of, trying to kind of keep the celebration from hurting us. Yeah. It was so fun. It was like one of the funnest <laughs> yeah. things I've ever done. Cause I was like 22 in Europe with this like 25 piece marching band. And were they like all as old as like, yeah, they, they were, were all, all around 30 and in their 30s. Wow. There was a couple other babies. Yeah. My sister, Kendra, was one. She's two years younger than me, so she was 18 when we were doing this. Yeah. But, yeah, like, touring with Threnos, touring with the Infernal Noise Brigade, it just, like, started to erode the sense that there is a barrier between, like, the famous people that you might admire and the, like, person that you're standing next to collaborating with that you admire way more than you ever did Marilyn Manson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, that's amazing. That's so cool. Um, yeah, how was like being like, I'm in, on a, in a different continent playing music like that oh, first time? Oh, nuts. Like, also, I just feel like, how did I, I was just like loose on the wind. Like I rode, a, I flew over by myself. We all met in Edinburgh. Or no, maybe I flew over with Kendra, my sister. And we landed in London and just went to a squat. Yeah. And knocked on the door and stayed in the <laughs> squat. I wouldn't know how to do that now. I don't know how I knew then. Uh, yeah. Probably there was like a connection through the band, but that part of the memory is gone. Just like yeah. riding the tube in from the from Heathrow or whatever and being like, and now I'm going to go to X part of town and just in, involve myself in this scene that I feel entitled to and that is welcoming to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we just caught like a mega bus to Edinburgh, met some, we were going to like sleep in a bush or something when we got there, but we met some kids on the bus who had a pin that was drawn by a friend from Boston. And I was like, Hey, I know that band. My friend drew that pin. And we ended up staying at their yeah. house in Edinburgh and then met up with the rest of the band. And then, you know, got the first taste of European touring hospitality Okay. When we got over to the mainland. Yeah. And 
it was like European touring hospitality for a band of 25 people. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah. Just like bunk houses and like banquet tables full of food. Like I, you know, I was 22 and wasn't like what you are doing is like an incredible gift. I was like, yeah, we're here. We're eating your food. <laughs> yeah. You know, like. <laughs> I just can't imagine how much tofu scramble there must have been. Or so where. much. <laughs> Well, like when you go over and they've got all those pâtés. Yeah. It must have just been like 200 pâté jars. Yeah, like a banquet <laughs> table of like bowls of hummus. and. How were you getting around? We rented a double-decker bus in the UK and a, <sighs> like a... What's it called? Like, you know, like a touring bus where you stash your bags in the bottom and okay. sit up top. Yeah, 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 yeah. We like had Co- a... Coach. We like... There were there were enough of us. We pulled funds and had fundraisers. We had huge fundraisers before yeah, we came. Yeah, which again I wasn't really involved in because I was too young. I just like partied at them and was like, I love hanging out with these people and didn't <laughs> see how much like infrastructure yeah. work was going into making it happen. Yeah, oh amazing. And um, so were you? Were you playing? Were you? Were you writing music at all at this point? No, all through this whole story up to now. I I had been playing guitar since I was 14 and I wrote a couple songs yeah. but I had no self a uh, sense of like self empowerment around writing music. I was like like when I um I like had different like friends along during this time that were like you're such a great musician and I just it was like a breeze going through my ear. I was like uh, I didn't hear you. I don't. Yeah, yeah, that's. It's not like I don't believe you. It's like I just feel invisible and like that just doesn't. It's not landing as true. Yeah. And then uh, mid twenties, I started feeling like, but I would like to know how to do that. Um. Like. Even in Reviver, which I started when I was twenty five. I was like, like I didn't feel like I contributed anything to the band for the first like bunch of years. In hindsight, that is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Like I wrote songs that I'm really proud of, but I was so embarrassed of them. I was like, these are really bad songs. I don't know Aww. what I'm doing. Like, I don't know. Like my favorite song that I ever wrote is the song called Belly. And it's like the one of the first songs that I wrote. I'm like, how did I write that? It's so... Un, like now that I know more about music I couldn't write a song yeah. that had a structure like that Because it's kind of weird Yeah. And when I wrote it I was like This is really bad And I played it for a friend in New York And they weren't like Oh that's really good They were like kind of quiet And we're like oh And I was like confirmation <laughs> Yes. This, I wrote I'm just a terminally bad songwriter Who's written like two songs And they're both bad And that's just me I'm bad at this. I don't, but then like when I wrote real mean, which is like kind of the first song in reviver that I wrote that got like a lot of attention. It was like baffling to me. I was like, what? That's not a good song. I wrote it. Yeah. Did you do a thing called pines? No, no. Okay. Someone the other day was like, I've got this record, but it wasn't yours. So, like, was Reviver and then the band that you did for a few shows before, was that kind of, like, your first bands then? Not, not like, your first songwriting 
Yeah. Reviver is the first band that I was ever in where I was bringing songs that I wrote into the band. Yeah. But I was in other, like, I was in a band called Glue where I played, wrote lots of lead guitar. Sick. I was in a band called Lightning Round where I co-wrote with my friend Matt Owens. And in hindsight, yeah, I wrote those songs yeah. too, but I didn't feel like I was writing yeah, anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Hooky, the band that I talked about before. Yeah, I it feels like one of those things where like, if you hear someone else say it, you're like, that's wild. Like you're telling me you've been in all these bands and you're also writing songs for that. But I guess it's different when it's yourself. Yeah. Because you never take your own advice and you never the rule the way you see other people you never really have or a lot of people don't have for themselves. Yeah. But like when you're saying something like, like how? But then yeah, when it's you, yeah. like I'm sure like. Like, maybe I'm wrong and I wouldn't want to put words in your mouth, but, like, if you were seeing someone that was in Olympia that was in all these bands and then, like, was writing their songs in a band and that, you would never, like, think that of someone else. No. You'd be like, this musician... Like, when you're saying people are coming up to you, like, this is, like, great, or, like, you're so good at this, and, like... And you're like, ah. But, like, obviously they mean it, and they might be doing bands and they might think the same about themselves, but you would never think that about them. Yeah. Yeah, it's very weird. I don't I don't know what the psychology is behind it. Yeah, like I Yeah, I like when I'm telling you the story of everything, I'm like, this is like so many rad things that happened. <laughs> and I participated in them whether I was songwriting or not. But there was something around the vulnerability of putting my songs forward. Yeah. It took me a really long time. Like I like you know, like a band is like a relationship. And I remember a couple years in, to, we would have like conflict in Reviver, you know, we'd like fight with each other. Or we'd be on like a two month tour and have like days of not talking to each other, or like, you know, just like pissy little things. And I remember being in 2012. So we started the band in 2007 or 8. Yeah. 2012. That's years. That's four years later. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what the fuck? Uh, being on tour, fighting with one of the other band members, and my friend Alana was playing bass, and I was like, I think they're going to kick me out of the band. I think that... <laughs> and they're like, this is your band. They yeah, can't kick you out of the band. That's what, that's what they said. <laughs> Alana was like, what do you think this band is without you? And I, I was like, what? <laughs> I, I don't know. It's so weird to think of in hindsight, but then that was another comment that helped me kind of like reframe my relationship to it or like what my contribution was. Yeah. Um, because Reviver like obviously means so much, like so much to so many people. Mm-hmm. And a lot of those people I'm sure tell you that. Yeah, that's true. It's awesome. Yeah. So did that, was that like just batted away for a long time and just not thought of? Or like was that like hard to hear? Like No, it... I just think that it didn't belong. T- I felt like it didn't belong to me. Like I was like, "That's great that the band's doing that for you." And it was a slow process for you to start. Like being proud of yourself, whatever the right yeah. word is. Like, so that wasn't like actually not. I'm going to start owning this. It was just like this, like slow process of self love. Well, no, I do think at some point I was like, I I need to change this. Because I'm getting this feedback, like from like if I heard it from like a okay, 
Okay, okay. Let me let me step back a second because like this is a thing about. Okay, like for instance, I would get comments like that woman Megan back in Thranos being like, "When you're playing in the band, it makes me feel comfortable in the room." Little epiphany that starts yeah. changing things inside. Alana, who is playing in the band in Reviver, telling me that they think that I'm integral to the band and that, I mean, the truth is with Reviver that we all are integral. You yeah. know, like. It was, Even yeah, like, like the two hundred bassists. <laughs> no, <I'm joking>. <laughs> Thirteen, <laughs> but like Alana being inside the group, being like you're integral. That was like, oh well, you're not like blowing smoke up my ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I'm, I have to listen to you because I trust you, and you're on the inside of this. You know, like all these little movements of things shifting. But I think that what it, what I just like have to draw attention to is that I'm like, I'm like a, a, a loud empowered woman who has been making music for a long time and been like in the spotlight for some of that time. And like done a lot of speaking out about like how taking up space and like advocating for ourselves. And I'm also subject to all the same like societal pressures that are the reason why there needs to be so much speaking out. Yeah. Like I, um, it's like a joke and a joke that's like retold over and over again, the like endless tour stories of like, uh, like patronizing or aggressive or hurtful micro aggressions and comments like, like many years in, like eight years into doing this band, we're like fairly well known. Maddie's guitar breaks a string and I keep playing the song. So it's clear that her guitar is out of the mix. And afterwards, this guy coming up to me and being like, you were really playing. And I'm like, did you think that my <laughs> amp is turned off and I'm just up here for like show? You know, like yeah. just little comments like that or like, like that individual was watching us and thinking probably she's not really playing probably she's in the band so that there's a like I'm projecting but you know like they wanted a woman in the band a cis woman in the band for um social cred or she doesn't write the songs. She just plays them or, you know, all the little things that we think about women in bands. Yeah. Like, like we're fighting against, we're fighting against that tide, but that tide, we're also, we're also swimming in that ocean. So like that guy's thinking I'm not really playing on some level. I'm thinking I'm not really playing while my fingers are shredded. I'm playing like <sighs> sick solos and I'm singing my fucking heart out and on some level I'm like but I'm not I'm just for show you know what I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. well I probably don't know what you mean but like, I understand what you're saying yeah. it, it's like a, it's like a weird split in your mind where you like know that you are you know because you're living in that body and you are living on that stage and you are doing all that stuff but there's this like little understory that is believing this fucking lie about like what we're capable of or what or gender equality being real you know what i mean yeah yeah or being not real you know what yeah, i mean yeah yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. I, that's what I think is the cause of like being somebody with so many opportunities and so much exciting things and still feeling like unable to see my own contribution in it. And I don't feel that way anymore. Now I see my contribution. Yeah. Amazing. Um, can we, like, so um, I'd love to talk about like the first Reviver UK tour. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, when was that like? 2011 maybe? 10. 10. Cool. Like, um, when I look back on that, like, I just, it's just wild to me when I think like, you got like, and maybe it was like in other places, but like, there was like a lot of backlash for mm-hmm. when I think about the backlash, like, you obviously, you know more, but like, you know, obviously like talking in between songs and whatnot, but like, I remember like the main backlash was like, oh, like when like they booked the shows, they asked the promoters to think about maybe yeah. not just putting like all fellas in bands, which was like, there was, there was like backlash to that. Which now that sounds like you wouldn't even think twice. Hopefully you wouldn't even have to ask. But back no. then we were getting shows boycotted. Yeah. Like, we got backlash, but we also got, like, we got threatened violence. We got, like, people saying that they were going to come to the shows and, like, kick heads because they were so mad. We got people being, like, we're not going to book them. We got really well-intentioned people being, like, I would love to, I think what you're saying is important, but I just don't know any women playing music, which is, there has always been women playing music. It just was, like how deeply entrenched that closed door was, you know? Yeah, and, like, who you choosing to play, like... Yeah. yeah, that's one that I, like, think about because, obviously, I was, like, part of, like, going to, you know, like, our X amount of shows a week or whatever at the time and, like, all these bands being... Well, like, even just saying that, all these bands, like... I find myself being like, oh, yeah, well, like, and I'm like, no, like, there was. I just was not seeing it because mm-hmm. I was not looking for it. And even, like, when I think back, I'm rewriting it in a different way because there was as well. Like, um, yeah, I feel myself fall into, like, these things of being like, well, there, it's like, but there was, like, there definitely was. Yeah. But no one was like, oh, like, let's just, yeah. And, you know, I'm sure, like, everyone listening is like, but, like, um, yeah, and it's just like, I yeah. just think about, because then I, like, yeah, because obviously, like, you know, I could reel off, like, people, it's amazing now that, like, there's just, it is still a thought process, mm-hmm. and hopefully it will always be a thought process, well, like, unless, like, there's a utopia, <laughs> yeah, there's not, but, like, you know, obviously that thought process should never, like, and, you know, like, things aren't perfect with, like, but it's just that conversation is like less needed of a conversation, different conversations different now. Conversation, I think. Yeah, is the thing. yeah. Um, but yeah, like I just remember, like obviously, um, like in the the Kingston show, I remember like my best friend, like Kai, like having like con- like who played your show. She and like you had like emails back and forth about stuff. Yeah, and like Bird calls who played that show, like three. Guys, they're like, they were like, we, you know, sometimes you just organically fall into a band with like three other people. Like, why? And it's, it's just like, hopefully, those conversations. Like, I'm sure there are people that would still say this stuff, but hopefully, they'll have a friend that is like, cool. Now, everyone else is like, I just want to tell you why yeah. this is a silly thing. I think that, like, 
when I think about that era, I feel both like, I don't know if proud is the right word, but I'm like, we, we like extended our, ourselves out past like what felt comfortable and it caused a lot of controversy and I'm, there are parts of that that I feel proud of, but that I also have like so many cringy feelings from that time. Cause we were also learning how to talk about it. And like, like I, yeah, like, like I think that I both, yeah, I don't know. Like the Kingston show, I, the thing that I most remember about that was that I was like enjoying the band and I was like, woo, like I'm loud. I'm American. Yeah. And I hurt somebody's feelings in the band because they thought I was taking the piss or something. That's what I, that's what I remember reading later on the internet or something and being like, wow, so much miscommunication. Well, people were like upset. Yeah. It was irrational. So, and their responses are like irrational, perpetuating this myth of like, like for me, like there was a reviver myth. And yeah. like, I don't know if you were aware, like, were, were you aware of, like, people think that it's different. Like, so, like, yeah, were you aware of, like, how people perceived Reviver? Well, I would hear, um, like, obviously that stuff was never being said to my face or our faces. So I would hear it through the grapevine. So I don't know. I don't know, like, for instance, when you say there's a Reviver myth, are you, like, the myth that we would stop the show and make people get in line by order of height. <laughs> like that myth. <laughs> I've not heard that myth, but obviously I'm, I'd be aware of where that like, came from, <laughs> that London show, which, uh, well, I, I remember. There's lots of shows. Yeah, where like, um, yeah, like people, yeah. Well, why, 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 just stand here and you just, but that, uh, uh, it's like, yeah. It's, yeah, it's confusing because it's like you're stepping back into, you're trying to step back into the mindset of being, 12 years younger, totally different culture of what we were, what everybody was talking about back then. It's like, you've got like the haze of memory plus that like cultural shift. Like we, I don't know, like, uh, like, uh, like the getting an order of size of height, that myth came from, asking people to pay attention if they were blocking people who were shorter behind them, which I, I still don't think is like a bad thing to pay attention to, you know? No, no, no. Like, like, especially playing floor shows, you just can't fucking see. So just like if you're making a wall of bodies, just like, it's just the same thing as like, I feel now, now 10 years later, I think about like, is the show going to be like safe and comfortable for somebody in a wheelchair? You know, like, are you making, are you looking behind you and making room for people to come forward? You know, like, uh, yeah, it's just like, I guess like walking the balance of like being aware. We call ourselves a scene or a community. Like, are you paying attention to the person next to you, behind you, making space for them? Yeah. But then also, this is kind of like going in a slightly different direction, but I feel like, our ability to enjoy a punk show physically has suffered immensely because of the past decade of trying to figure out how to share space with each other. Ours, like everyone going to a show or like... Yeah, not yeah. not mine or not Revivors, but our like collective 
mu- live music enjoying around the world. Like, I think I can say around the world. I'll say in the United States and in Europe okay. and in the UK. Like, like, uh, like overthinking, being really careful about not touching each other. Like, don't you remember? Like, I feel like, like punk shows. I guess that in my ideal, okay, okay, okay. Oh God, I sorry. I'm. This is like hard. I'm thinking too many things, and we're recording, and it's going all over the place. But I remember during the height of us figuring out how to ask to play shows that had more gender diversity. You know, like um, asking people to like culture shift what kind of attitude they were bringing to Reviver shows. Being like, we want these shows to feel good for all kinds of people, not just like strong, able-bodied men, you know, which is a extreme generalization, but that kind of, we were like in the height of like getting boycotted for that. We were getting, it felt like we were getting in trouble. I was compiling a zine of like, of like, um, message boards and emails that we were getting that I still have somewhere, but I stopped working on it because I was like, this is unhealthy. Like why focus on all these people? But it was interesting. The things that people were saying, people were like, so fucking mad at us and then we played uh as we kind of like parted from that world we started entering into the queer scene which was like when we there's like a couple year bubble in there that were like my ideal musical moments of my life like we played this fest in middle tennessee that was like we probably played to 100 people on this little stage in a barn and the mosh pit was a roiling boil. It was like (laughs) crowd surfing. There was boobs. There was like, you know, somebody would drop their glasses and the, like you, people were moshing so hard, but then also being aware of each other because that was kind of the nature of that community. It wasn't a stretch to be like, let's pay attention to each other. It's like a bunch of people who were like fun, loving, drunk on drugs, half naked, and well-versed and well-trained in being sensitive to each other and paying attention to each other. So, like, if somebody fell, the crowd would naturally part and yeah. pick them back up. It wasn't like... Yeah, it just felt like the ideal. And I've always felt like, why can't that be where we are aiming for? It's not like we want to stand... I don't want to go to a show or play a show where we're all standing like pegs in a row in front of the stage, nodding, being like, I do enjoy this music and I will not touch my neighbor. But it's like so challenging to be like, I'm totally enjoying myself and I feel so free. I have to elbow and kick these other people in the head. I have to push these smaller people out of the way. I can't pay attention to the people around me. I don't understand why we can't cross that divide and just be like, okay, now we learned and now we have fucking fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. Probably because there's still like... Exactly. Fellas yeah. <laughs> well, there's still people who are like... But this is punk! I don't know. The amount yeah. of times I've heard that, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Big time. Um, yeah. And, yeah. No. Well, you asked about the first UK tour and then yeah. we didn't really talk about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, like you said, like, like, I could only imagine, like, imagine, like, it reminds me, like, must have, 
I don't know if it was a documentary or like something I read. But um, it was like Toby Val talking about being in Bikini Kill. Yeah. And she's like, well, we're in the van. Yeah. And like, we're four different people. So we have different opinions on stuff. Yeah. And we're spending like six, seven hours. And we care so much. Yeah. And we're different people. So we're like arguing, but we're not arguing. And we like hate each other. We love each other. Yeah. Like, just because what you see is like, like, it's... Don't know the right word, but like, you know, like it must be, yeah. Like when you say like there'd be times where we wouldn't speak for like three days. Yeah. I'm like, well, if you're having these convers like these hard conversations, there's like hostile responses at best sometimes, like like threat, threats of violence and stuff like. And again, like there's people think differently, and like it's you can't like even just even people in a band that have like a united front. In like that might have taken yeah. six months to come to the conclusion of this is what we want to say in between songs. Oh yeah, like, but obviously, so it must have been like yeah, that's. Must and have then been in- you fight about that too, you know. You're like, everybody want, and mo- I mean, I would say that mostly with, in these conversations, there would, there wouldn't be fighting, but occasionally there would be like, I, my feelings really fucking got hurt by the way that that was phrased, and then you got to figure that out. Because you need to pro- provide a united front the next night. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's, on some level, it's for, like, like, it's to protect each other from, like, as Maddie started, like, transitioning with her gender, like, like, even before she started transitioning, the, uh, when we were coming under attack, her, like, perceived femininity or, like, lack of masculinity would be attacked constantly, you know, that people would be, like, writing on message boards about how she probably sits down to pee and stuff like that. You know, just, like, like, they saw, like, um, like, they saw cracks to crawl into with what they perceived as like difference in her. I was easy to attack as the like naggy woman mom who was like <laughs> trying to tell you what to do. Yeah. And then Kevin, who was like being an ally through all that, but was like kind of the quiet, quiet cis man in the background without a mic, you know, Yeah. but was a big part of the conversations that we'd be having. Yeah. Yeah. And was in agreement. Like, I remember one time in Hungary, this was like a sketchy show anyway, and we were like, we probably won't be coming back to Hungary anymore. (laughs) As the, like, politics there were slipping over the last, like, eight years or whatever of touring there. But there was this, like, really aggressive guy who... Oh, it was, like, barely a stage, but he was, like, crowd surfing, and I grabbed the back of his shirt just to keep him from jumping. Like, he... Climbed up on stage in front of me. I grabbed his shirt. He tried to jump. I'm skidding along on my feet. <laughs> and he turns around with his arm up like he's going to punch me because he doesn't know it's me, yeah, the yeah. girl. And I, all in this one moment, I look back and Kevin is drumming, standing up because he's about to jump over the drum set because he saw the guy with the arm about to swing. You know, we were like playing and defending each other and trying to figure out the right way to convey this ever-changing message about like, this is for everybody and we're trying to change the culture, you know? Yeah. 
Oh, I have one really great story from the first tour in the UK, yeah. which is that we played this like tiny ass show in Dijon. Oh, maybe the person that is involved in this story will hear that this. That would be cool because they changed my life with this story. But they, um, okay, we played this little ass show in like a cafe in Dijon. It was us, a band I can't remember, and I think it was Crywinks for a show. And um, the other band who I can't remember were late uh, and said on the mic, they were like, I'm late because my bitch boss wouldn't let me leave. Oh, Southampton. No, it was Dijon. Was it? Yeah. Okay. Okay. I could be wrong, but I think I'm not wrong. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Were you, were you at the Southampton oh, show? Uh, no, anyway, it doesn't matter. So carry on. I'm totally Well, I'm curious. Okay, but so I was like pissed. We were on this tour that was being frustrating. Oh, I'm thinking of a couple other frustrating things, but I'm like, I don't want to have beef with people. I, I think these stories are interesting, but there's also like not, I don't know them anymore since this incidents happened yeah, yeah. 10 years ago, I don't know if they would listen and be like, yeah. fuck you. But this, so I was frustrated by the time we played this show and feeling like pissed. And this guy called us what his, his, his boss, a bitch on the mic and bitch to me in 2010 meant something different than bitch to me in 2019 does, you know, it just sounded, I was like, we don't say bitch. Well, so who, so what, the person that said it, was a band member of this band. Like like a cis guy. Cis guy. I mean I still don't imagine like saying bitch on stage as a cis guy is like yeah. a, a move that you'd make now. Yeah. <laughs> I think that in twenty ten if we were doing this podcast, I would be like maybe even saying like the B word or something because I would feel okay, uncomfortable yeah, saying yeah. the word bitch. So yeah, then that was like yeah. even yeah. So I was pissed anyway. The guy called his boss a bitch and afterwards I just tore him a new asshole. I was like, what the fuck? You get up here. I'm the only fucking. Oh no, there's you know there's only two women in this whole fucking room, and you're calling your boss a bitch. Call her an asshole. Call her a jerk. Like whatever. But you use this gendered language, and you're just fucking reinforcing. I was so mad. <laughs> I don't know if I made any sense. I just was like, Bleh! and then went up to the like green room or something, and was like, I fucking hate this tour. That was a hard tour. A year later, two years later, I got an email from that person being like, I just wanted to let you know that what you said to me really affected me. And I thought about how I care about like racism and other forms of bigotry and don't use targeted language in those areas. And I was just letting this gendered language slip through. I saw the hypocrisy in that and I have stopped doing it and I have fought with some friends and lost some friends over that point and yeah. I just want to thank you and I was like oh my god I just felt like this like uh kind of like unpopular naggy like yeah. like mom that you don't want at the punk show person and then got this little like flame of gratitude and like here's a little feedback that what you said changed my trajectory. And I was just so grateful. I'm still so grateful. Yeah. 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 Cause you don't get to hear when you're trying to have conversations that are like that, that are like, fuck you right now. And now the door's (laughs) fucking closed and we're not finishing any sort of conversation. You don't get to hear how that. And especially like, 
the response needs a lot longer than like two weeks later like you're yeah. right two years i'm like that is like a thought process yeah like first off just being like probably angry at you like oh, oh yeah why, like, coming over here <laughs> from the united states telling me what to fucking do and then being like well i'm real or this is what i've been like yeah. anyway, where i'm like i'm really annoyed and i know that this must be because there's uh, it yeah. must be me because i wouldn't be holding on to this and then like you slowly pick through and you're like and then, you know, yeah, it takes a while. And, you know, and I think it's the same with like when we like talk about the response to Reviver. Mm -hmm. And then I'm sure that there's so many people that were like being like these assholes oh, on yeah. the first Reviver tour that like then were like five years like, oh, I love Reviver. Oh, you know, maybe yeah. some. But like um, because it takes it, I believe, as a man, like obviously the more you do it, the shorter it takes. And the better, like, what ways you have tools to, like, yeah. break it down. But, like, the first time on the first few times or maybe the first 100, it, like, it's really, like, it's a hard it's, one to take. And it, it can take a long time. Obviously, some people are just defensive forever. And it's, yeah. like, a lot easier to be, like, fuck you. Mm -hmm. And then every time that band gets brought up, it's like, oh, fuck them. Like, yeah. <laughs> which I'm sure some people are still, like. Sure. But, I mean, that's their loss because they're still upset about something that happened all that time ago. Yeah, and I guess what I would hope, the best case scenario, would be that people that are still like, you know what, fuck Reviver, I don't like how they did it, they made me feel bad. I hope that regardless of the Reviver part, that they have figured out other ways to yeah. move on and like understand about gender equality and like making space and not being like so bro culture. Like, I, I, like it doesn't have to be about us or me or like some sort of redemption arc with us but i just fucking want the culture to change you know what i mean yeah yeah and um but like i do i just i do think it like a reviver is like an amazing one like for like um like the scene or like whatever is like and further out as well is like on the shoulders of giants and i'm sure like reviver would say that you were with other yeah, and people and I think everyone is and like you know when I like think about obviously like that conversation I'm like you know it's not just Reviver like if I just look at like like my best friends or like mm -hmm. the tour you're doing next summer like oh, yeah. Naomi and Kate like Kate's been touring the UK for 15 years yeah. and it doesn't mean she wasn't because people like were like oh it's just fellas back then because it wasn't Yeah. so it, but it's like Revival was like great at like kicking the door down and for like people to be like, yeah, it, I think it was like a real, like, and even like, um, like, I'm just like talking about my friends because, yeah, this is like the conversations that I've had like recently. But like, like Thomas, who you met earlier, yeah, was like yesterday got to practice and he's wearing like a Reviver shirt, and I'm like, oh, that's funny. And, um, and he's like, so we were talking about like the podcast, and he was like, like, Reviver in Norwich, that was the that was the click to be like, oh, I can like be queer. <gasps> oh, I got ah, that's so good. And but like this is just like my f like my friends. So like yeah. that's got to be like you know I go to Reviver shows. I know how many hundreds of people are there, God. and it's like amazing. I'm gonna <laughs>
Okay, that made me cry. And we had to take a break. But I thought of what I wanted to say after that, which was that um, I think when we first started talking about uh, like the culture of our shows, I was doing, I was feeling, thinking a lot about just like, um, yeah, just like people like me, like small cis women, you know, like that kind of feminism. And then as time went on, I, you know, like we would, I've told this story before, so it might not be new to everybody, but, but, uh, I remember playing this one show where, um, we were like, there was a couple of people that were really wanting to dance really hard. And it was clear from the stage that uh, other people were being upset by being pushed around so much. So we stopped like we do and we're like, Hey, pay attention to the people around you. And you know what? I'm talking to you, you, yes, you in the shirt. You're the one look around. The people are like bummed at the way that you're acting. And that person was like, ah, left. Yeah. You know, that doesn't feel good. The show goes on and we're like, oh, it's too bad. I fucking wish that we didn't have to talk like that. Blah, blah, blah. Show ends and the biggest guy in the room, like, you know, he's tall. He's fat. He was loving the whole show. Came up at the end and was like, thank you so much. I, like... I'm so grateful that you ask people to pay attention to the people around them. People yeah. think it's okay to just smash into me constantly because they think that I'm bigger than them. They could use me as a wall or whatever. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I wasn't thinking about you. <laughs> I was thinking about that small person, that that small person right there, you know, like, yeah. thank you for helping me see more. And then same show, actually, this kid comes up plaid or what do you call it here? Tartan. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, like Kurt Cobain shirt. Kind sure. Of thing. Yeah. But buttoned up, little beard, little beanie, very festy org core looking. Yeah. Comes up and is like, I just want to thank you so much for, like, I like the story you just told. Like, your band not only gave me permission to, or like not gave me permission, but like cracked whatever open in me to let me give myself permission to come out as gay, but I'm also trans. And I'm at the start of that journey. I'm going to see where it goes. And I'm like, I if I looked at you in a lineup, I didn't say this to them, obviously, but I don't need to because they live in society. So they know that this is what everybody would think. Yeah. But you would never look at that person and think that, like you just don't know what's going on inside of people. Yeah. And I think that that is what is so important about this movement that whatever it's called, like you can call it feminism and that makes you just think about like women, but it's not just about women. It's like about all of us giving ourselves permission to like break from the binary that gets shoved down our throats our whole life. And that doesn't just mean people who are already out as queer, who already present a certain way, who you perceive as like feminine or small or like whatever it's literally every single fucking one of us is on a spectrum of like gender and sexuality and i don't believe that any of us is hard at one end and like all of us yeah just all of us deserve the the like the like space and the like ability to breathe 
and be like, where do I, what would make me feel happiest in this short lifetime that I have, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, that was, yeah, that's been like, I enjoyed that conversation. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, Sean, thank you. Um, I guess, like, I feel like we could probably talk about that and circle, like things that have happened and for another few hours, so we yeah. won't. But, um, yeah, so, like, next year, like, April. Erica Fries is yeah. back on back on the UK road, right? Mm-hmm. With uh, Somnia. Yeah. Okay. Which is, Somnia is my band with David Combs from the Max Levine Ensemble that we started some amount of years ago, six years ago or something like that. And um, uh, for this tour, we've got Kate O'Connor and Naomi Griffin on rhythm. <laughs> and we're going to, yeah, do like a week-long tour and play Manchester Punk Fest. And I'm so excited about it. Yeah. It's going to be so sick. We put out a record in 2016 called How the Moon Shines on the Shit. And, uh, yeah. It's just like good, good, fun, poppy punk. But it's not pop punk. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that you want to, that it needs to be, needs to be said at this point? Mm, I can't think of anything, but just thank you for the opportunity to like think about and talk about all this stuff. Oh, I no, really appreciate no, it. No, I appreciate you um, c- coming on and thank you so much. Um, would we be able to end with you saying culture fear backwards? Oh yeah. Reful urch luck. <laughs> Perfect. Thank Reef you. Reef luck. The first steps were all walking the light. The next few tore the day from the night. And there needed to be waves, but they grew so big in size. Scattered my body across the sky. And I won't be undone. I turned my back on the sun. Nothing's ever simple, but the simple truth was That I turned my back on the sun my eyes 
apart Cause they were shut so fucking tight And I wanted to be brave And I wanted to be right And I needed to make up my fucking mind Cause I am the one When push comes to shove Who knows my every angle And the depth of damage done I turn 